Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. We're going to look over into Luke chapter 19 together. We're going to look at, continue on the series for the outcasts. And we're going to look at Zacchaeus. Uh, some, of you, uh, some of you want to sing, who was a wee little man, right? But I'm not going to sing the song for you. Uh, we, we've all been confronted uh, with people who have used their God-given ability to sell something in a way that takes advantage of others. Uh, or even to the point of nearly extortion. Uh, not everybody in the world of sales is a bad person. It's a legitimate method used to engage others and to make ends meet. Then there are those who are in collections. and This too is a legitimate method to feed a person's family as long as that person holds on to a strong set of ethics. Although some of them take advantage of their customers. Then there are those people who set up what's called a Ponzi scheme in our day and time, named after an Italian guy named Ponzi. Not, don't mix it up with Fonzie, just in case. A Ponzi scheme is a financial scam where the operator pays its investors from the money that the other scammed people have paid in uh, as an investment instead of coming from a legitimate profit that is earned. So basically, they scam every person uh, who invests in their company. They get as much as they can, uh, and then everything comes crashing down. And we've seen that in, a few, uh, in the last few years as that has taken place, and uh, those people are uh, paying the price for that. So those people are despised. They were outcasts in our society. In fact, uh, many people have done that, but yet Jesus loves even the people we view as unlovable. We're going to look here at the story of Zacchaeus in chapter 19, 1, but before we do, I know that Zacchaeus didn't set up Ponzi schemes, but he was despised as much as those who have set them up in our times. Today, I'll look at Zacchaeus and call him Zac, the ultimate IRS agent. So no offense to you guys who may have worked for the IRS. Zach was an outcast. He was wealthy, and he controlled the market on the tax collection in Jericho area. From all likelihood, he was hated by the Jewish people because he collected taxes for the Roman government. Uh, to give you a small example of our history, there's a time when a, our fledgling nation as a set of colonies, uh, didn't quite like what the founding nation did, and we had that policy that ended up being the, uh, or the effect of the Boston Tea Party, right? So we don't all like taxes at times either, and so we can imagine what it was like for Zach's time. Zach's tax collection methods were accepted by the Romans. Here's the thing. It was legal. It was set up, uh, but they were less than ethical. They may have been legal, but they lacked the limitations uh, and were closer to extortion than to tax collection. Let's look here. I'm going to speak here plainly at some point. It's going to come out of my mouth correctly, hopefully. Luke 19, let's look at it together. 
verse 1 to 4. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So he was a chief tax collector, not just any old tax collector. He was a chief. He held a higher office than Levi, uh, who we call Matthew. Uh, we see over in Luke chapter 5, verse 27 to 30, Levi become one of Jesus' disciples, uh, 12 disciples. And so Matthew was a collector, but not quite like Zacchaeus was, who was uh, high on the chain. Zach was a chief collector and was based there in Jericho, and he was, it, that area was considered by scholars to be a major customs area. So people coming in from the surrounding areas would come through Jericho, and there Zach could stop them and say, Hey, buddy, you owe taxes, and this is how much you got to give. Well, let's one up on that one and give as much as you can. And, and uh, so they, they would really take advantage of them. So he was able to charge high duty as they come into town, and uh, then it was a lucrative business for him. It was evident where his wealth came from. He was just like others. He needed meaning in life and thought he found it in money or things. But it seems like all the wealth in the world didn't fill that void that was missing in his heart. Money and power will never fill the place that only God can fill. It's evident that he was curious and maybe he had been looking for more than just money than his money provided. So Zach wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to find out who is this guy coming along. And so right before Jesus met Zach, he had the opportunity to meet a blind beggar. The Savior was on his final approach into Jerusalem and he was walking along with his disciples near, near Jericho and the blind beggar started asking who was going by and, and he would have heard all the crowd around that was traveling with Jesus. So he, he calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus heals this blind man. It was in this context that we find Zacchaeus wanting to see who Jesus was. And this guy called him Jesus, son of David. He was saying in faith that he was the Christ. We can even find it over in Matthew chapter 22, uh, verses 41 and 42, where Jesus asked the religious leaders a question. He said, whose son is the Messiah or the Christ? And they told him, the son of David. Because that's what the, their view was from the Old Testament. It was a reference to the Christ. It was a reference to the Messiah. So Zach was short, he couldn't see over everybody. Uh, he may have been rich, but he was short. Man, he can't buy everything, can it? I guess you could buy a set of stilts at that point, but he didn't have them, the tree was faster, right? He must have been a good climber. But like the blind man, this guy was persistent. His faith and his curiosity pushed him to climb that tree to be able to see Jesus and to see what was happening. With Jesus heading his direction, surely he'd be able to see what was going to happen next. But little did he realize that he was going to end up being part of the story that Luke tells us. Faith and curiosity took this man further 
than what he had ever expected. Uh, years back, I met a businessman in West Africa, and he would travel around all of that uh, region, and he would buy and sell cattle. That's his business. His family was into cattle. They had a lot of them. And uh, one time, he was staying in a hotel near a, an arena, and in that arena, there was an outreach event going on by a local church, and they were uh, trying to share the gospel there. Well, the man was a little bit mad because uh, they were noisy and he couldn't quite fall asleep in, uh, in his hotel room. So their hotels, uh, depending on where you're at in the, in the area we, he was at, it was uh, not quite like the Hilton or the Sheraton or something like that, although they have those there. And so this guy couldn't sleep, so he said a few choice words uh, to them in anger, and over the next few nights... Uh, while he was there, out of curiosity, he started listening to the message. And finally, he left his room and went to the arena where he eventually gave his life to Christ. And so this man, you see, his name was Muhammad, and he had been a practicing Muslim from a family of people known to be quite mean at times. There were some rough people. And yet, uh, many have feared him, although I'm sure some liked him, but uh, he heard the gospel and his life was changed. In fact, he suffered for his decision after that, but he held firm, held strong to his faith in Christ and didn't turn back. We realize that Jesus loves people some may view as unlovable. Now let's look back over to Zach and Jesus here in chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. Uh, when Jesus reached the spot, that, that's Zach's tree, the one he climbed up, uh, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. He's being very specific with him. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So we see Zacchaeus thought, hey, this is, this is neat. This guy talked to me. He, he looks at me and, hey, he wants me to, to, to sit down and eat with him and he's going to come to my place. But you realize this wasn't Zach's, it wasn't him asking Jesus to come over for dinner. It was the Lord reaching out to him. And sure, sometimes people ask Jesus to come over to help them, but uh, just like that blind man did, but... But now we find Jesus reaching out to this wealthy thief or this wealthy sinner. And that's what he would have been called back at that time in Jesus' day. And it seems that most of the religious folks of Jesus' time wanted to stay away from people who've had uh, some questionable character. They didn't want to stick around them. They didn't feel comfortable around them. In fact, it was Jesus who called out to Levi, one of the uh, other tax collectors. Yeah, you have to notice in these verses that when Jesus told Zach that he, that, uh, what he wanted, Zach came down immediately. He didn't wait around. He was down. He was off of that tree and he's coming down. He wants to meet this guy. And Luke, the writer of the gospel, shows the importance of the word today. So not only here in chapter 19, verse 5, but also we find that word today used in a proper context of, of Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 21. And I think you can see it on your screen. Jesus quotes this passage when he was in a synagogue, and it says this. 
the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to break chains like we sang earlier, to break chains. And then shortly after this, Jesus went on to say these words. He said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Everybody in that synagogue's like, whoa, just a minute here. This word today in Luke 4, verse 21, relates to our word today in Luke 19, 5. Since, I, since the Isaiah quotation that I just read to you lacks the paraphrase about the day of God's wrath, because it's talking about like the day of the Lord, it must be understood that today refers only to the part about God's grace. God extending grace towards somebody. Jesus was reaching out as the Messiah with a hand of grace for Zacchaeus, not a hand of judgment. It's not that he didn't deserve judgment. It's not that any one of us don't deserve judgment. But... He deserved it, but at that point in time, it may have only driven him further away from the Lord. The grace that Christ showed Zach caused him to climb down that tree and then welcome Jesus into his world. He didn't hold him away. What we've read in this account of Zach and Jesus was the clash of a rich man and a poor man. Before you go too far with that, you've got to think back uh, to Jesus and some of the things that he has said. Uh, in fact, uh, before you, if you look at Christ came to uh, proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus said over in Matthew chapter 8 verse 10 uh, that he didn't have a place to lay his head, yet he was totally rich. Zach, this ultimate IRS agent, he had it all in a monetary way. He had everything he needed. It was, it was, if it was all about the money, he had it all. But he was, a, he was a prisoner of his own behavior, of his own life. Like a Ponzi scheme, if he got out of it, everything would be crashing down on him. And what would he have left at that point? Then Jesus came and showed him grace. Jesus loves people that some people view unlovable. True poverty is not the lack of money or things. True poverty is the lack of hope in the one true living God. True riches is receiving the grace that only Christ can give us. As a college instructor, it provides me an opportunity to help students to learn to become people who can ob obtain employment and to provide help to students and so that they can learn how to uh, engage others in an appropriate manner and to do business in an appropriate manner. Uh, they can learn their trade and extend their education. Education is a great thing that, that it gives people an opportunity to provide for themselves and their family. I can teach stu students about ethics and, and treating others well, which is a good thing. It's a great thing. Yet I'm constantly reminded that no matter how much money 
a person makes or how well you treat others without faith in Christ, we are all poor and incomplete. You can't teach them that part. Education's great. I'm not saying education is meaningless. If you know me well, if if you interact with me on a one-on-one basis, you'll find that I know education's important. But what I do also know is that riches comes from knowing Christ and relating ourselves to Him. Anything, anytime someone is shown grace, the crowd always has different responses. Isn't that true? We'll have people say one thing and, and other people will say different things. We'll find that uh, not everybody views, has the same views. And that's what happened when Jesus reached out to Zacchaeus. Over in chapter 19, verse 7, uh, he tells us, All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to, the, he's, he's, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus, why are you doing this? What is up with this? Why in the world would you go over to this guy's house who's been a traitor uh, and uh, has got taxes from us and uh, absorbent amounts and just did whatever he can to line his pockets. Why in the world, Jesus, would you go to this guy's house? I'm sure that's kind of the things that they were asking him. Jesus cared for people. I'm sure that they were a little frustrated. I, I think that some of them were likely jealous. They thought, well, you know, you know, I, I'm a good person. I try to keep the law. I try to do what's right. Uh, in, in the word of God but uh, maybe I, but, but I'm better than that now this outcast Zacchaeus has been acknowledged in front of everyone and then told that Jesus wants to sit down at his table it's highly likely that the Pharisees and many others that viewed Jesus at this point uh, were offended at that I'm sure they were very frustrated. He, he was a sinner. He was a traitor. He was an outsider. And since he collected taxes from them uh, for that foreign uh, nation, Rome, you know, they lost their rule and authority in the area. And now Israel at that point was just under, their, under Rome's domain. Uh, of course, we also realize that eating with someone in that culture showed that you accepted that person and what they stood for as well. Uh, So for the Pharisees to eat with irreligious sinners is to cast doubt on their essential teachings and what they taught. Now, we have to be a little kind to the Pharisees. Let's be kind to them for just a second. Because they began their quest after Israel had been exiled to Babylon because Israel had turned their backs on God. They had uh, been very much involved in idolatry and idol worship, and they had turned away from God. And God said, hey, if you don't keep, if you don't keep my ways, then I'm going to kick you out of the promised land. And that's what happened, isn't it? If you know the, the Old Testament story, they were exiled over to Babylon, and uh, they were left there for a long time. And then they came back, but then the Pharisees were a group of uh, lay people, and what they did is they said, we don't want this to happen again. Uh, We want to be able to serve God. We don't want to go back in exile. Uh, And so these guys, what they did is they had their teachings, and they were dedicated to upholding the purity of their faith and uh, and of life. Uh, But the problem that Jesus faced was that they started putting traditional teachings 
over and above the scripture, over and above the Bible. I'd have to say they started out like many believers today. Many today want to do right, yet somewhere down the line they got their wires crossed and started ignoring God's ways. And so they, they kind of missed out. So Jesus gave those guys a hard time, didn't he? Uh, he gave them a real hard time. Some believers view the grace of God as a way to live any way they want, thinking that they can treat others poorly or live a less than holy lifestyle. But on the other side, there are those who live such a rigid lifestyle that there's no room for the grace and mercy of God. So we have to be able to come into balance. We have to let our lives be in a balance and, and live a holy life in God's view and in such a way that we can be gracious towards those who may be not be of our groups. Maybe they're outcasts, like how Jesus was kind to Zach and Levi. Let's look at Zach's response here to, to God's grace. Luke chapter 19, verses 8 to 10 says this, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I will give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zachariah's response, or Zacchaeus' response, was one that showed how poor he had really been, yet how rich he had become spiritually. He knew that he had cheated people out of their livelihoods. He, he knew what he had done, and now he was willing to give away half of everything that he owned to those who were in need financially, and then he had said he would pay restitution to those who he had cheated. This poor man became rich that day. Oh, he had had money. He had had wealth, but he had been spiritually poor, and that day he became rich. Zach found something powerful that day. Or we should say that someone found him. God dressed in human flesh reached down into his life and welcomed him to enter into the kingdom of heaven. His repentance was not lip service, but he put his repentance to action with real faith. James chapter 2 verse 18 and 19 tells us this. It says it this way, but, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. He says, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Oh, yeah. So we, we realize that here, we've seen Zach's response to grace. It was true repentance of change of heart and lifestyle. He was still wealthy financially. Yet, if need be, he was willing to give it all up to make restitution. And he was giving up some of it anyway. When I think about what James said there, it reminds us that following the Lord is a lot more than just lip service, isn't it? You know, I grew up in church. 
Uh, I mean, they, they dedicated me as a little baby when, uh, in church. My parents were in church before I, before, uh, before I was ever born, and so that's all fine and good. So I was a believer. I went to church. I was a believer. I believed in God. But was I going to heaven? Uh, no, probably not. I believed he existed. I believed he was there. I believed in Jesus. But there's a difference between believing and putting my faith and my trust in him. And I remember times, you know, that I had the Sunday school teachers that come to him and said, Mike, say that prayer, uh, a sinner's prayer with me. And so they got the arm behind the back and nearly break your arm, you know, that kind of deal. No, they were nicer than that. And uh, so oh, I said the sinner's prayer, but it didn't mean a thing in my heart. It didn't mean a thing to me. Not at that point, because I knew that's not what I was going to do. I wasn't going to serve the Lord. I believed in him. I believed in Jesus. I believed he was the son of God. I believed in God the Father. I believed in the Holy Spirit. I believed in the church. I believed in all those things, but I wasn't a follower of Jesus. And then a time came where I started realizing, hey, I need God. I'm one messed up dude and I need a savior. And that's when I turned my life over to him and, and it transformed me. It was the spirit of God that worked inside of me and changed me. It wasn't just my own work. I tried it. I tried to be, I tried to be good and stop doing the things that I was doing before. And I thought, hey, th this will be cool. I, I can now be a Christian. You know, I can see what it's like here and be a Christian. Well, finally, I realized you can try to be a Christian, you all, you want to, but without the Spirit of God working in your life, hey, you're missing out. So Christ set me free, and I think for us, we have to make sure that we focus ourselves on Him and realize that we're, it's more than just believing. But faith has to also be in our actions. So now we find Jesus' response uh, here to Zach, First, verse 10 is noted by many as the key verse of the Gospel of Luke. Now here in verse 9, we'll read 9 and 10 again. It says, in verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This verse itself expresses the heart of Jesus' ministry. Both his work of salvation and his quest for you and I. Jesus was all about people being part of the kingdom of heaven. If they were religious like Nicodemus over in John chapter 3, or if they were outcasts like Levi and like, and like Zacchaeus, it didn't matter who they were. Jesus calls Zach, the former outcast, a son of Abraham. Did you catch that in the scripture? He calls him a son of Abraham. It seems to be more uh, than just a, a natural relative of Abraham, uh, like a descendant of Abraham. So how, how did he become uh, a son of Abraham? Well, the same way that we become one. It's by faith. Luke records the fact that Zach didn't just believe in Christ. Anyone can be a believer. But he believed to the point of change. He believed to the point of repentance. That is true faith. It's like, I'm doing this, but my lifestyle's got to change. I've got to turn to the Lord. I'm turning away from this. I'm turning towards Christ. I'm turning away from the old junk, and I'm turning to the life that he gives me. 
and my chains are being broken as I trust in him, as I trust in the Lord. He breaks those chains in our lives and gives us hope and he gives us freedom and deliverance. There's a transformation that takes place in our life and it's not just our own work. We're part of it, God's part of it as we turn to him in faith and allow him to work in our lives. A person with true faith has become a follower of Christ. If the worship team will come this morning as we prepare to conclude. We can only speculate, but like many other followers of Jesus in his day, he may have likely faced challenges in his new faith. I'm sure that Zach wasn't perfect once he, once he uh, was uh, freed from his things and he, he made some statements of faith. And I'm sure he wasn't perfect, and that, that's like those who come to faith today. They're not perfect. None of us are. They may have been outcasts or just your typical neighbor. They may struggle in their faith. But that doesn't mean we should ignore them in their struggle. If someone comes in to follow Christ, they may struggle. And we want to encourage them and help them to continue to follow along with the Lord. God has given us the opportunity to reach out and to encourage others in the time we live. Zacchaeus may be your neighbor. Zacchaeus may be your co-worker. He may be an acquaintance or he may have been a friend that you've had for 30 years or 20 years. And you put up with them because you know that there's hope. They may seem unlovable. Yet it could be that God may use you to help show them the grace of God like nobody else can. Remember who you were before Christ got a hold of your life. You may have had a rough life, but Christ reached out to you. You may have come to Christ as a child, but remember, not everyone has had the same opportunities. Maybe you had that opportunity as a child and you decided you were going to turn away and not come back. And finally, God got a hold of your life and gave you the opportunity of a lifetime to turn to Him and to follow Him and have a wonderful life. Everyone needs to know that God is on their side. They need to know that God believes in them and He can redeem their life no matter what their situation is. That they have value. Every person has value in the kingdom of God. You may be the one that God uses to share hope and mercy and reach out to somebody that you may feel like they don't deserve it. None of us do. But we want to reach out to God. We want to reach out to Him. I don't know, maybe, I don't know your situation. I don't know your personal situation. Maybe you yourself are here and you say, you know what? My life's a wreck right now, or maybe your life's going pretty good, but you recognize the fact that you need what Christ can offer you. Christ can offer you freedom. He can offer you forgiveness. And He can offer you hope that no one else can offer you. There's hope in Him. 